as I began praying about several weeks ago about what the Lord would have us speak on, obviously we're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about new life in Christ. But the word that kept coming back to me time and time again is simply the word empty. The word empty. Maybe it's just a word that comes in my mind all the time. I'm, I'm faced with empty. I don't know about you. You know, you open up, you know, your, your checking account, and you're like, okay, we're almost on empty there, you know. Or, or you know, your, your gas uh, meter, you know, it's, it's running on empty. Uh, just not long ago, uh, one, of my, uh, one of my boys and I were on a trip. We were coming in from out of town, and I was actually in Suzanne's car, my wife, and uh, her car is a little bit fancier than mine, and so it actually has this digital readout where it tells you how many gallons you have or how many miles you have until you're done where you have to start pushing. And so we were coming in, it wasn't a gas station around, and uh, we, were, we were going on like 10 miles to go, and then nine miles, and then eight miles, and we are like, I wonder how far we really can go. It was almost like, a, like, hey, let's just push this, and let's just see, because the curiosity kept driving us and driving us. And yes, we passed up one, two, maybe three gas stations. That's okay, because we wanted to see how far we can go. We got this thing down. We pulled into a gas station two miles left. Yep, number two on it. And we took a picture, and uh, I think we're going to frame it. Now, some of y'all are like, bro, that's nothing. I've got it down to where it's nothing, where it's zero. And if, if you have done that, then uh, I want to be like you. But we, don't we have the word empty in our life all the time? Empty stomachs, you know, uh, em empty household, uh, emptiness that comes into our lives day in and day out. And, and I just think that God just kept bringing this word to me day after day. And it's like, empty. I want you to talk about the word empty. Obviously, empty, t empty tomb, empty grave is something we could talk about because you can't, have a, you can't have a resurrection of Christ without there being an empty tomb. But there's something else there that I want us to look at. There's something else there that, um, that we need to uh, ponder, and I think it's something that you, um, God will speak to you, and God has spoken to me as I prepared uh, for this. And so as we talk about empty, know that when people are in this life, we often run on empty. Just like I talk about with, the, with the, the gas tank running on empty. We often run on empty. Even for those who have accepted Christ as Savior, uh, we, we, uh, we often run our Christian life on empty. I've been guilty of that. I'm like, you know, I've got plenty of, of, of spiritual fuel. You know, I've, I've read the Bible once this week or... You know, maybe that'll last me, or I, I prayed a little bit before, before dinner, or maybe with the kids. Uh, you know, maybe if you're a student here, I prayed before that big test. You know, I, I got my time in, and I'm just going to let that last. And just like a car, we as believers, we, we, uh, we can easily run on empty. Well, what's great about it is that once we accepted Christ as Savior, uh, it's not something that we have to do over and over again. You know, accepting Christ as Savior is like the engine of the car. You know, when you run out of gas, you don't have to go and get a new engine. <laughs> you know, unless you're driving one of our cars. We've actually had to do that once. But you don't have to go get a new engine every time you run out of gas. What you have to do is just fill it up with fuel. You just have to refuel. And so as believers, and many people get caught up into this. They think, well, I've accepted Christ as Savior, but I'm just not living a victorious life. 
I just need to accept him again and again and again, rebaptize, rebaptize. No, the problem is God has given you that engine of salvation. The problem is you're not refueling. You're not refueling. And I mean like big time refuel. I don't mean, you know, going to church every now and then. I mean on a consistent basis, opening your God's word, spending time in prayer, going to that time with the Lord every day. You know, even if, I don't know how many times you, you put gas in your car. I think I put gas in my car like two or three times a week sometimes of all the driving that we're doing and running six kids around everywhere and, and stuff. You can really eat up gas. And if you and I would just spend time with the Lord, the same amount of t- times that we fuel up our car, imagine how far we could get, how further we could get with our walk, with our, with, uh, with our Christian walk and with the Lord, and maybe we can live a more victorious life. And so as believers, we, we, uh, we often will run on empty. And I'm encourage you, don't run on empty any longer. Refuel. And there are people uh, in this world, millions of people in this world, could be some people in here today, who will say, you know, I've never really accepted Christ as Savior, but I, I, I'm, I really don't like empty. You know, empty is kind of a negative word. Empty is kind of a negative word. We even saw some of that in the video where you have, you know, empty nests. They have some, we have some empty nesters here, kind of new empty nesters here. And they're like, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of a good thing, but then it's kind of not a good thing. And, um, you know, empty bank account or empty stomach or empty relationships. And, and so because people don't like empty, what we do is we try to respond to that. And the best way to respond to, to emptiness is to fill it. It's a fill with something. That's natural. When something is empty, we try to fill it. And so whenever there's emptiness and people feel emptiness in their heart, in their life, in their soul, in their being, then they try to fill it with something. And I hate to say this, but oftentimes it's not of godly things. It's not of the, of the righteousness and the holiness of God and God's plan for people's life. And so oftentimes, people will fill that emptiness. They will fill it up with things that are not of God. Why? Because people don't like empty. People don't like empty. Yeah, we can talk about running on empty, but I think there's a lot of people who actually run from empty. Run from empty. And what it does, it creates continued void in people's life. And so as I get into the the heart of the message, I want to just kind of prepare our hearts for a couple of empty things. I want to talk about the empty cross, and I want to talk about the empty grave. And specifically with the empty grave, how that relates to us, in particular with the story that we're going to read a little bit later on. So as we talk about the empty cross Know this, that Jesus walked to, walked towards the empty cross. In fact, he, he carried that empty cross knowing that he would sacrifice his life all for love. And so that empty cross, what it does, it reminds us of a couple of things. First of all, it reminds us of his sacrifice. Jesus Christ gave up several things. First of all, he gave up his home. He gave up his home in heaven in order to go and be nailed to an empty cross. 
And we see this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. It says this, as, as the Apostle Paul was speaking, who being in very nature God, talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found as in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't have a sense of entitlement. He didn't come to earth going, hey, heaven's my, he heaven's my home. I belong in heaven, and so I can do anything I want. He was obedient to the plan, God's plan, to his Father's plan. Jesus emptied himself to die for a world that was running on empty. Jesus emptied himself on that empty cross by giving up his home. Another thing he gave up, gave up his body. He gave up his body as, as it, was, it was torn and beaten and bruised with rods and, and whips. And as people pulled his, his beard, parts of his beard out, and they put the, the crown of thorns on his head, he gave up his body to allow others to do things to him. When in all actuality, he created the very people that were beating him. So he could have, he could have done lots of different things. There were lots of options. And I don't know about you, good thing that, that it, it wasn't relied upon me for your salvation, because I'm not sure if I could have gone through that. I mean, I love you, but I don't love you that much, and you probably would just go to hell because I couldn't do that, you know, because the pain was so, so severe. But Jesus gave up his body, gave up his pain, gave up his comfort. So he gave up his home. He gave up his, his body. He emptied himself for a world running on empty. Another thing he gave up was his blood. Talk about the blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb. We call Jesus the, the lamb of God, the spotless lamb, as it relates back and compares to Old Testament um, rituals and, and what Old Testament, uh, you know, what God has ordained through Moses and the law and how Jesus is a spotless lamb. That blood, that innocent blood flowed down the cross. And we talk about that blood and that blood has power. He gave up his very life blood for you and for me. So he emptied himself literally. He emptied himself for you and for me, for the entire world. He emptied himself for a world that's running on empty. So the empty cross reminds us of a sacrifice, but the empty cross reminds us that we should deny ourselves also. Not only did Jesus deny himself, as we read in Philippians, we should do the same. We should deny the things that we, um, we desire. And so what does it look like to deny ourselves? We see a couple of passages in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 24. Then Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. He's asking us, hey, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, you want to take up your cross and, 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 and deny yourself. And so he's not asking you to, to physically 
be crucified and, and die a, a death that he has done already for you and for me. He's asking in, in, in your sinful nature, in your heart, and your soul is to deny yourself. And so in order to live a life that's consistently not running on empty, we need to deny ourselves. We need to lose our life. I know it's a little bit backwards. I know it's a different way of looking at it. But in order to not run on empty, we need to deny ourselves. I love what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are to deny ourselves. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. So we need to deny ourselves. In that passage in Luke, Jesus said we also need to take up our cross. We need to take up our cross. I see this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And what that means is that is that you and I are taking everything that we desire, everything that, that is all about us, and we are, so to speak, nailing it to the cross. We are saying, you know, I don't need that. I deny that. I deny my own needs, my own wants. I want what God wants. Because if I do what God wants, and, and if I follow God's plan, then I know that he's going to fill me up, and I don't need to ever run on empty. I don't need to ever be afraid of empty. I don't need to try to fill up my emptiness with, with other things in this world besides Jesus if I'm denying myself and if I'm taking up the cross. And then the last thing that Jesus said in that passage in Luke chapter 9 that we just read, we have to deny ourselves, we have to take up our cross, and we have to follow him. This means we, we follow, Je follow Jesus wherever he is leading we bring our cross with him, which means we don't leave our cross at home where we did our quiet time. We don't leave our cross here at church and, and leave it here. We bring our cross wherever we go. We bring our cross to work, yes. We bring our cross to our friend's house, students. We bring our, we bring our cross uh, to the football games, to the team, to the volleyball team, to, to the softball team, the baseball team. We bring our cross right there. We bring our cross to our family members, even though we probably got some weird family members, we'd love to hang them on a cross, but we got to bring our cross with us, meaning we are denying ourselves, we're crucifying our fleshly desires, and we are bringing it with us everywhere we go. That's how we follow Jesus. That's how we follow Jesus. As Jesus literally took the cross, he denied himself, and he brought the cross to where they put it in the ground. We should do the same with our cross, whatever that looks like. So we talked about the empty cross and how Jesus walked towards the empty cross and how he, he laid down his life and how he's asking us to do the same with our fleshly desires. But now let's talk about the empty tomb. This is what I want to get in today. I wanted to get to the cross just to, it's always good to talk about the cross. It's always good to be reminded of what Jesus did for us. But here on Easter, we're celebrating his resurrection. We're celebrating the empty grave, the empty tomb. 
And so if you would, if you have your copy of God's Word, you could turn to John chapter 20. If you don't have your Bible uh, today, we have it on the screen. But I'm going to be in the first 18 verses of John chapter 20. And so John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, I'm going to read this passage. And then what I'd like to do, I'd like to bring some of this back home to us. So John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. It says this, earlier on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, now this is after Jesus died, was brought down from the cross, laid in the tomb. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Now, just so you know, that's John, and John's talking about himself here in the book of John. She said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Mary Magdalene, who G later on in the Gospels, Jesus actually, um, Jesus actually cast out seven demons out of her. I mean, she, her life was messed up, and because Jesus set her free, she, she, she followed him among many, many people. Jesus had many followers. He had 12 disciples. He had a ton of other followers. And so she told Peter and John, look, they've taken him. Somebody has taken him. Not, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Awesome. Let's go celebrate. No. So verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, Peter and John, both were running, but the other disciple I ran Peter. I love John. John's just like, he's like, bro, I got you, Peter. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm out running you. But he's, he's humble about it, right? It's a humble brag. Outran Peter and reached the tomb first, verse 5. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, thank you, John, also went inside. He saw and believed. Verse 9, very interesting verse 9. They still did not understand. This is John writing, remember. They still doubt, or we still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They didn't, they didn't clue in on that. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So you have this scene, Mary Magdalene, she was there first. She saw, whoa, stones rolled away. I better go tell somebody. Peter and John had a race. One of them outran the other one. And then... We talk about, wow, this, this thing is empty. What's, what's wrong? So they, they left. Empty tomb, kind of scary. What's going on? We're getting out of here. But watch what happens next. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now she's by herself. The men are gone. As she wept, she bent over to look inside into the tomb. And saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, 
and I don't know where they have put him. Still, she's not thinking he's risen. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. There was, there was this man standing there. We don't know if, you know, maybe Jesus was kind of covered in a hoodie, you know, or something, or maybe he kind of, you know, disconfigured his face, or, you know, I don't know, you know, sort of the, you know, Mission Impossible thing where he does a mask, and uh, we don't know. So he asked her, Jesus, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. So he called her by name. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had seen, said these things to her. So as I have read this a few times, and, and we could have, I could have chosen several passages in the Gospels about the resurrection, but I kept landing on this one because this was very, very interesting about how this empty tomb was approached. You know, earlier it, when I was talking, I was talking about running on empty. It's like running in a car. We often run on empty, at least I do. You might run on empty. You know, if you're a believer, you're running on empty sometimes. If you're not a believer, you're, you're probably just running on your own strength, and you often are running on empty. You might not even realize it. But I want to now focus on not running on empty. I want to focus on running from empty. And that's my key phrase for today, running from empty. Because let's face it, you and I both, we have areas of emptiness in our life. We have areas of emptiness in our life. For example, do you find that your days are just crazy and that you just can't fit it all in and just you're piled up and you're overwhelmed and overconsumed and, and everything and just, you've got, I mean, you talk to people, ask them how they're doing. Hey, how you doing? Oh, we're busy. How you doing? We're busy too. Everybody's busy. Woohoo! Why is that? Why is that? I believe, like I said earlier, people don't like empty. When there's something empty, they'll fill it. And so, when there's emptiness in people's hearts, in their life, relationships, whatever, if, there, if there's emptiness with our relationship with Christ, with God our Father, if there's emptiness there, we try to fill it with something. And we're filling it with things that don't really matter. Some people fill it with things that are ungodly. You know, some of us fill it with things that not necessarily ungodly, but it's just sort of a waste of time. 
And so as we, you and I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. As you and I walk in this world, if we are just overwhelmed and overconsumed with things, it's because there's something empty in our life. I firmly believe that. There's something empty in our life. And we're not running on empty. We're running from empty. Because the way we run from empty is we fill it. We replace it. We substitute it. And so we find ourselves running from empty. Peter, John, they ran from empty. They got out of there. They don't want to see this creepy, empty grave. They, they didn't like that. That was really, really unsettling. They got out of there. Mary lingered. Mary lingered. So here's, here's what I want you to think about today with the, with the grave. And I, I've never thought of this in all my times of celebrating Easter as long as I've lived. You and I need to not run from our emptiness, but we need to linger there. We need to linger there. The emptiness that you have in relationships. Maybe you've lost a loved one. You're not going to replace that. You're not going to replace that person. There's emptiness. I mean, that's just real. There's emptiness. You lost your job. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, obviously you can get another one, but I mean, that's, that's sort of an emptiness, you know? We've got, um, our oldest boy, our oldest son is about to graduate, Woodland High School. He's going to go off and, and he's going to have this sense of emptiness, like, you know, I think he is. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I, 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 could, I remember when I, you know, was driving away and I saw my mom crying her eyes out in my rearview mirror as I headed to LSU. And I was like going, oh my gosh, this is hard. This, I just felt empty. I felt empty. So you and I will have emptiness. We will experience empty. So... Be like Mary. We're gonna, I'm going to give you some steps here in a second. But be like Mary. Don't run from empty. Approach it. Linger with empty. And we saw in the passage what that got Mary. You know, as we saw in, in how she expressed her feelings of emptiness. You know, she, Mary was sobbing at the grave. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with feeling empty. There's just something wrong with trying to fill our emptiness with things besides Jesus. Because when you and I have this feeling of emptiness, then we know who, as, as believers, we know who we could go to. And if you've never accepted Christ, that's, that's who can fill your emptiness.
But if we're constantly replacing it with other things, then we're never going to feel that emptiness. Linger in your emptiness. And express your feelings of emptiness. Mary cried her eyes out. She was saddened. She didn't go home. She stayed there at empty and was crying. So express your feelings of emptiness. It's okay. God can handle that. There's something therapeutic. There's something very healthy about expressing healthy frustrations. Now, just it could be frustrations with the, the situation that, of emptiness, but healthy frustrations like, ah, what's going on? You know, as long as it's not done in anger. But it's also healthy to express sad. Like, man, I'm longing for this, and I feel this emptiness. Some of you may feel that here today. So like Mary, it's okay to express your feelings. The other thing I saw in this passage is in your emptiness, take a closer look. Did you notice how Mary went into the tomb? She went into the tomb. Now, earlier she just saw the stone that was rolled away. She didn't go inside the tomb. She went and got Peter and John. Peter and John then went into the tomb and then they, they left. And Mary's like, oh my gosh, he's gone. Crying, sobbing. She goes to the tomb, as we see in this passage. She goes to the tomb. She looks inside and she sees for herself. She sees for herself. She takes a closer look. Look, y'all, if you have emptiness in your life, take a closer look. Take a closer look as to why that emptiness is there. And you know, there's a good chance that there's someone that you know that has faced that kind of same emptiness. Maybe they're, they're facing it around the same time you are, or maybe they have faced it before. But don't take somebody else's word for it. Oh yeah, whenever I, I, I face this, I did this, this, and this, and I read this book and that book. and, and it, It's great to, to get some prayer and, and advice from people, but listen, you need to take a closer look yourself. Don't take somebody else's word for it. Somebody else that has gone through it. You need to take a closer look, just like Mary. Mary didn't take a word of John and Peter. They were just trying to outrun each other there. And then going back. So you want to take a closer look. God wants to show you something about your personal or custom emptiness. And you may, have, you may have noticed something that you haven't noticed before. God will show you that. So, you know, don't run from empty. Express your feelings. Take a closer look, like Mary did, into the tomb. Describe your emptiness. As she described to the, the gardener or to the angels, she described her emptiness. Put your thoughts into words. Describe your emptiness. It's one thing to, to have emotions about your emptiness, to, to um, have feelings of, of, uh, of loneliness 
and, and to cry about it or just kind of mope about it. That's one thing, but it's another thing to, to write about it, put it into words, talk to other people about it. Don't, don't bring drama into it. Don't be overdramatic, but talk about your emptiness. Because listen, folks, if you're talking about it in a healthy way, then you're not running from empty. Because running from empty is replacing it with other things, and you're never going to get to the bottom of empty. And so I would encourage you to discuss it, to talk about it, to have some dialogue just like Mary had. And the thing that I love about this passage is that Jesus will come to your emptiness. We see this in this passage. You know, Jesus, from, from what we get from this passage, Jesus, Jesus rose from the, from the grave. He's gone, right? I mean, Mary shows up. There's nobody there. There's a stone. Go get Peter and John. They check it out. They're gone. But Jesus comes back. Jesus comes back to empty. He comes back to the empty grave. Listen, if Mary would have left, if she would have ran from empty, she would have never have seen Jesus at that moment. She may have seen it later, but she was the first person to see the risen Savior. Isn't that awesome? She would have missed out on that. She would have totally missed out on that if she would have ran from empty. She lingered. She lingered at the emptiness. She lingered at the empty grave. When you and I decide, hey, I don't need to try to fill this up with other stuff. I need to linger. I need to, to talk about. I need to, I need to, I need to, um, in a healthy way, respond to it. But when you show God, God, this area of my life, it's empty. It's empty. He's going to come back to empty. He's going to come to your emptiness. Why did Jesus have to go to the grave? I mean, did he, did he forget something in the tomb? Oh, I forgot this. You know, my favorite, you know, shawl, whatever, coat. Or, you know, maybe he was going to go and, you know, write his initials, carve his initials on the rock. I mean, that's kind of cool. You know, J.C., you know. No, he didn't come back for that. He came back for Mary. Because Mary lingered. Mary stayed at the emptiness. Mary wasn't afraid of empty. Like John of Peter was. She wasn't afraid of empty. And because of that, Jesus showed her something that nobody else saw until later. And that was himself. So, what caused the empty grave? Or who caused the empty grave? We could pretty much say that God caused the empty grave. Hey, son, we're on day three. And it's time for you to come out. Let's go. Come on. I'm done having you in that, in that grave. God was the one that caused 
empty. He calls the empty grave. And so because he, he caused it, then obviously that's one reason why right, Jesus went back to it. But put that in our life as well. You know, there are things that you and I do that we cause emptiness in our own life because of our sinful nature, because of the things that we, the, the things that we say to people, the things that we do to people. Well, guess what? <laughs> One of the results is we're going to have some emptiness in our life. As we shun people away, we're going to have emptiness in our life. As we do things in our job site, we're going to have that empty job. And so, yes, there are some things that you and I will, can do because of our sinful nature that will cause emptiness. But I'm here to say that I think there are times in our life where God allows emptiness to happen in our life. It's in, it's in God's word. We see stories after stories where God has allowed emptiness to happen in our lives. And, and I believe that the biggest reason that happens is God is saying, look, that emptiness, fill it with me. That emptiness, fill it with me. I'm the only person that can fill that emptiness. And so as we are faced with emptiness in our life, Know this, that God can fill your emptiness with his power, his peace, and his love. And we could trust God because if he's allowed some of that emptiness to happen, then we can come to him and say, God, fill it with all that you are. And then the last thing I notice about this, I love this in this passage, in John, we see do you see where Jesus called Mary by name? That's when she recognized Jesus. He called her name, Mary. Like so many times before. I can just imagine maybe she's lying on the ground at the first meeting with Jesus and, and, and demons have just been, been expelled out of her life have cast away because of the power of Jesus' name. And Jesus looks down, and she's sobbing because of that whole experience, and he says, Mary. And it's the same voice that says, Mary. So let me ask you this. Have you heard Jesus call your name? Have you heard Jesus call your name? You know, you could be living a life of emptiness. You could have a hole right here in your heart. Even if you're a believer. And, and you've just been trying to fill it with other things. And you're scared of empty. And you're running from empty. Not running on empty, but you're running from it. But Jesus is calling you by name. And he's saying, look, I can fill that. Come back to me. Come back to me. Linger in your emptiness. It's okay. And if you're someone who has never accepted Christ and you have this void in your life, and you say, man, I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I've got this feeling like there's just 
big hole inside me, and I just don't know what to do about it. I keep doing things and, you know, doing kind of good things and, you know, things that, that people like and enjoy, and I'm pleasing people and everything, and it's just still empty, and I just don't know what to do. Jesus is calling on us. Jesus is calling on us. He's saying, come to me, and I will fill you. He will fill you with his power through the Holy Spirit. And he's calling you now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As you and I have just read, we know that, that there is um, an empty grave, an empty tomb. And we know that just like that tomb, there's emptiness in our life. We gotta make sure we're not running from it. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that you speak to the heart to people here today. I feel, Lord Jesus, that you are calling people's names. You're whispering their name into their heart, into their spirit, into their mind, and you're telling them, come to me. Come to me. And so if you're here today, I presented a couple of scenarios. I presented the scenario, and both of these scenarios happen to millions of people. It's not like you're the only one. But if you're here today, even if you're a believer and you've accepted Christ, maybe you've even been baptized before, and you're thinking, you know, Frank, that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like Peter and John. I'm running from empty. And I'm trying to fill it with other things besides God. And I know better. I know better. Jesus is calling my name. And I need to return to him. I need to return to him. I need to stop running from emptiness. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, Frank, I've never accepted Christ. But I know I need to. I know that... He's God's one and only son. He died on the cross for me. I even believe in the resurrection. I may not be able to explain it, but in my heart, I believe it's real. Because of that, I need something real. I need something real to fill the void in my life and my heart. I need Jesus, and he's calling my name. And if he's calling your name today, you would say a prayer very similar to this. It says, Lord Jesus I believe in you. I confess my sin to you. And I've really messed up my life. Please come into my life. Forgive me my sin. And fill up every empty part of who I am and the person that I have created. Help me to live for you. And so if you're here today and you have prayed that prayer and you want someone to pray with or if you just need someone to pray with, the band is going to sing this song. And, and I would encourage you in just a moment, you're going to stand and we're all going to sing together. But I'm going to be down here in front. And I want you to know that there, you need to let down all your pride and to realize, look, Frank, there's just some emptiness in my life. Or maybe you say, you know, Frank, there's some family member, someone I really, really love that is just walking in emptiness. And, 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 they're, and they're just messed up and I'm going to be in place of them.
And so I just need you to agree with me in prayer. If that's you or if you're walking in, in the place of someone or if you just accepted Christ or if you want me to guide you through that, I am down here. And so as a band plays and as we sing and as we stand, let's all come together and I'll be down in front. Let's let the door do his work. He's calling your name. He's calling your name. Let's stand together.